You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. Hello everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your hosts, Lou and Markel. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Beasley. So, um, <laughs> Lewin comes in with, I've got a great opener. Oh, God. You can remove <laughs> that if you want to. Don't oversell it. Um, so, for one, thank you to everybody for all of the belated birthday wishes. Um, I really appreciate it. I, I had a, like... I don't want to get too into it, but my my birthday is typically kind of a weird time for me. And so like all the birthday wishes and all of my friends and, and everything, I had a I had a really great birthday this year. So thank you guys in part for that. And also you guys, I guess, who are here with me. Um, we had tacos. It was awesome. Yeah, we had tacos and we it played was awesome. video games. Also, as we discussed last week, there is a little bit of a, a window timing aspect to recording which is to say that i started this research a little bit before this episode actually got recorded so around the time i started my research it was a little bit closer to my birthday and i thought i am always so selfless and so magnanimous with (laughs) with my research for this podcast like anytime there's a listener request that comes in bam i have that episode done yesterday and every time there's a part two required for a topic I have it done immediately the next week. No distractions. Yes, except for elves. What? So I decided, since I'm always so, so selfless and magnanimous (laughs) with my content, I'm like, it's my birthday. It's my birthday month. What do I want to do? What do I want to talk about? What does Lewin want to talk about? Dragons. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. Uh, Yeah. You know what else Lewin wants to talk about? Gemstones. Lewin is uh, gesturing towards the microphone with her uh, little gemstone that sh- necklace that she has. Yes. While wearing gemstone jewel uh, bracelet. Hey, I'm pretty sure these are fake. But anyway. Gemstones are everywhere. Yes. I want to talk about gem dragons. Gem dragons. I yes. believe you briefly mentioned those in the last dragon episode you did. Which one? The last one. The very so, last one. I don't I think. even remember which one the last one was. That one was the catastrophic dragons. Catastrophic dragons. Yeah. Okay. So, for gem dragons, we're gonna go back quite a ways. Um, gem dragons, which are often also frequently referred to as neutral dragons, but that's stupid. We're gonna call them gem dragons. <laughs> um, you don't call. Well, I guess sometimes people do. Uh, call metallic dragons good dragons or chromatic dragons evil dragons or uh, bad dragons. So <laughs> they were, bear in mind, they were originally referred to as neutral dragons and then were later referred to as gem dragons. Okay. But you'll see why. Because they're neutral? Yes. And also they gemstones. So they gemstones. They gemstones. So uh, gem dragons were introduced in Dragon Magazine issue number 37 in the article. <laughs> That's not in the monster manual. By Arthur W. Collins, and this one was published in 1980. <laughs> I, I love the, the title. title. The right. title is really good. I was thrown off. I was like, wait, what? 
I mean, yeah, no. he's, he's not wrong. It's not in the monster manual. So um, he stated in this article that he wanted to create new types of dragons, both to explore dragons with neutral alignments, because mm-hmm. at this point you just had, like, they weren't even referred to, I think at this point, as chromatic and metallic. You literally had, like, chaotic and lawful dragons. Right. Um, Makes sense. So he wanted to explore the neutral alignment with dragons and also give DMs a new dragon that they could actually surprise their party with as, quote, everyone and his brother has a monster manual, end quote. (laughs) Additionally, like, I've never met, like, we don't know each other. I've never met Mr. Collins. But I feel like we are spiritually connected. I am starting to feel that way, too. <laughs> because he said also that that he like created these dragons because, quote, there is just something fascinating about dragons, which leads us to explore new variations simply to enjoy the essence of dragonness. <laughs> which is like, I read that and I was like, you understand me. The essence of dragonness. The essence of dragonness. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that you, like, ghost wrote this. <laughs> yeah, this just in. In 1980, <laughs> I, I ghost wrote this. 16 years before she was born, mind you. Yes, when my mother was seven years old. I mean, you're just that damn good at it. Yeah, from from beyond the egg. I was trying to think of the opposite of beyond the grave, and all I could come up with is beyond the egg. I mean, you're not technically I'm wrong. Not, I'm not technically wrong. So, like, that works. Anyway. Sure. (laughs) So, um, introduced in this article are the first five, or six, kind of, types of gem dragons that are considered true gem dragons. So, there are some other dragons that are introduced in later stuff that are neutral dragons that are named after precious or semi-precious stones, but, and I thought I would be able to include them in this, and then I discovered... I don't have enough time to do that. So <laughs> I might do I might do something on lesser gem dragons later. And also when I said six, kind of, that that sixth is the Ruby Dragon Sardior, who is the gem dragon god. He's essentially oh. the Bahamut Tiamat of the neutral dragons. Um Okay. So he will not be in this episode. Because I quickly discovered that I would not have enough time to talk about him and his entourage. Uh, and I am not actually sure if he could be his own episode. But which... at the very least, he could be part of a, another episode. Yeah, but, but not part of this episode. Right. <laughs> like, there's definitely too much for me to just tack on to the end of this. Yeah. So we will probably we will talk about Sardor another day. Also, potentially bonus content. Ooh, mm-hmm. we'll see. So, some qualities uh, introduced in this article. So, gem dragons are reclusive and not generally too fond of visitors, but are smooth talkers who enjoy charming and entrapping other creatures. So, they're fond of the the indirect methods. As their name suggests, they have a powerful love of gems and jewelry, which is a note that's given to pretty much almost every dragon. (laughs) Every type of dragon, it's like... They have an exceptional love for this, but it's like, do they really? Do they? It's really it's not that, like... Different? Different, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, they're dragons. Of course they love gemstones and stuff. Every dragon's like, I love gemstones the most, and then it's like, do you really? Do you really, though? So, in, like, as they were written for, this would be Advanced Dungeons of Dragons 1st edition, I believe, 
um, as they were written for this, they are smaller and like slower moving than mm-hmm. other types of dragons, ranging from 12 feet long of the smallest and then 36 feet long, which is how big Sardior was. Mm-hmm. And it tends to like they make up for this with their intelligence and charisma. Okay. But later on, this is not typically the case. Like <laughs> later on, it's just like they're dragons. They, you know, they get big. I mean, 12 feet is still pretty big. Yeah. Like, I mean, not for a dragon, though. For a dragon, no, but just kind of like in general, it's still a pretty big creature. That's fair. <laughs> so, and, and in, in this uh, iteration, they have a weaker fear aura due to their smaller size, but have the innate ability to blink per the spell six times a day. Okay. So it kind of balances out. And later, this is kind of discarded in favor of like making them kind of more like every other dragon. Mm hmm. Which, well, well, I mean, we'll see how they're different still, but, you know, whatever. Right. So, uh, per this uh, entry in Dragon Magazine, 50% of gem dragons are psionic. That's and, a high number. Yeah. Uh, just wait. And all of them are telepathic, though they cannot communicate with non-telepathic creatures or those with an intelligence of under 17. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> right? Okay. So... There's that. Sure. Um, the vibe for them in this uh, dragon article is that they are a little bit physically less capable than regular chromatic and metallic dragons, but they are, they kind of have more, I wouldn't say they're necessarily more intelligent, but they have kind of an, more of an emphasis on the the mind things. Okay. On their, their intelligence, their charisma, their like general cunning, and also the fact that 50% of them are psionic. Yeah, they're more mind-centric than just, like, thought-centric. Yeah. So, before we go into specific, the five kinds of true gem dragons, um, I'm going to talk briefly about how everything for them kind of changes. Okay. So, um, their last appearances in third edition, Rip in Pieces. Maybe there's a future for them in fifth. Maybe. (laughs) So, as of third edition, all gem dragons are psionically gifted, which was a change that was made in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2nd Edition. And as of 3rd Edition, they typically dwell within the Inner Planes, but they are not native to them. They are native to the Prime. Okay. So, for the next sections where we talk about each specific kind of gem dragon, I'm going to pull from a lot of different places, and I kind of will be talking about each of them like chronologically as they, as a type, move through the editions. Okay. So... I'm going to be pulling from the Monstrous Manual for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2nd Edition, the 3rd Edition Monster Manual 2, which was their last, well, not their last, like, core appearance, but that's the last new body of text that was made for them. Okay. And also, we're going to talk a lot about psionics today. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Well, that's good. Psionics are... Very confusing. interesting, yeah. though. Haven't we been avoiding a psionics episode for a while? We haven't been avoiding it. <laughs> we I just tried haven't been researching doing it. it, and it was way too much for me to research in a short period of time, so I stopped. <laughs> yeah, so um, mostly I'm going to be pulling um, information about psionics from the Complete Psionics Handbook, which was released in 91 for Advanced Dungeons Dragon 2nd Edition, and also the Expanded Psionics Handbook with Errata. That was released in 2006. I believe that updated version was released in 2006, and the original was released in 2004, but it had a lot of errors, so they released the updated. Okay. The way that I'm ordering these is based on how they were ordered kind of in the order of strength 
from the original Dragon article. Okay. Because that was very much the vibe in their original iteration. But as of third edition, I would say that they are all very similar in strength. Like okay. the the challenge ratings for the uh, Great Worms, which is the oldest age category of dragons, like the lowest is 21 and the highest is 25. Which There's I'm not not a lot of variation there. Which I'm not saying isn't a difference, but like they're they're a lot closer in strength than they were in the dragon article. Right. So, you know, bear in mind that when considering stuff from like Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition, this order very much had them getting bigger and stronger, but as a third edition is kinda all the same. So first we're gonna talk about crystal dragons. Okay. So, um, crystal dragons have white scales that become translucent as they age, and in direct sunlight, their scales shine so brightly that they are almost unbearable to look at. Uh, They live in mountains, and as of uh, third edition, preferred the plane of air, Mm -hmm. but still sometimes live on cold or or temperate mountain peaks. They just, they like mountains. Right. Um, And as of the... Uh, second edition Monstrous Manual on, all crystal dragons are chaotic neutral. Okay. So, um, their breath weapon, because they have breath weapons too. Of course. In addition to psionic powers, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, their breath weapon is one of dazzling light, which was described as a cone of dazzling shards in the Monster Manual Ooh. that blinds those uh, caught up in it. So, here's where we start talking about psionics. <laughs> so, per the Monstrous Manual, their common psionic powers which this is not advancement for psionics is kind of like advancement in magic there's different disciplines that have different abilities that are kind of like spells Mm -hmm. and you get you gain them as you level like you gain the ability to learn new ones so these aren't necessarily that they only learn these i think this is just kind of examples given like, if you just want to pull a crystal dragon real quick, it's like, these are the things that it's going to probably have. Right. But they level, like, regular psionicists, which we're not, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, there were some equations in there that took me back to, like, chemistry and made me want to die. Yeah, so same. I'm not going to, you know. <laughs> and as we all know, I am bad at math and equations, so. It just... I almost failed chemistry, so let's not talk about it. <laughs> I did fail chemistry, so. But. You know, the there's going to be a lot of definitions still, though. So, their common psionic powers are clairsentience sciences, which sciences are major powers in psionics. Okay. Um, so, their common psionic powers are the clairsentient sciences of clairaudience, clairvoyance, and precognition. And there are also... They don't have any particular ones of these. Crystal dragons do not. But there are also psionic devotions, which are minor powers. Okay. Which is an interesting word choice, in my opinion. Psionic devotion. And sciences. Ooh. Most of of these definitions are more or less being pulled from the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons psionic book. Right. But they are pretty similar to how psionics are in 3rd edition um, and 3.5, because psionics are also in 3.5. But I will point out where there are notable differences. Okay. So, clairsentience is defined in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons as the ability to acquire knowledge beyond the typical limitations of the senses. Okay. So, uh, for example, as is their uh, common sciences, clairaudience is the ability to essentially throw your hearing. So the psionicist chooses a point within range, which the range for that is unlimited, and on a success, which... 
the use of psionic powers is quite a bit different than magic, but let's there, a, let's, there's a lot of numbers. Let's assume success. Yeah. The, so on a success, they can hear as though they were standing in that chosen area. Okay. <clears throat> that makes sense. The audience, audio, Claire. Yeah. Is <laughs> Claire. Is light in What about Claire? Francais. So uh, clairvoyance is the same, but with seeing. Right. Right. And I've, I mean, I feel like everyone's heard the word clairvoyance at some point in their life. Yeah. Yes. It's not like really common, but it is still like a fairly common thing, especially yeah. if you get into books or movies. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. clairvoyance is like the <clears throat> most common form of like telepathy or, mm-hmm. or something that someone can. Yeah. Or, or being uh, brain brain stuff. Wow. Psychic. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and there's also some of these that are listed that the power is essentially exactly what it sounds like, so I won't be defining it. Right. But there's also plenty that, like, their their definition was different from what I thought of when I heard it, or I just was, I read it and I was like, what the fuck is that? So, also, finally, precognition is the ability to see the most probable outcome of a scenario that will happen no further out than a few hours after the use of the ability. So it's seeing the future, but it's not like... It's not OP seeing the future. It's yeah. a very limited And it also, if I remember correctly, this functions very similarly to the clairvoyance spell from Pathfinder. Yeah, I was actually, that was <clears throat> yeah. almost like, I was like, where have I heard that exact phrasing before? Yeah. So, you know, if if this was all confusing, clairsentience is the, not school, discipline. Clairsentience is a specific psionic discipline, which is to say, like, for magic, you know, evocation, conjuration, yada yada. So clairsentience is like the the school, if you will. So in third edition, their primary discipline was changed to that of telepathy, which is telepathy (laughs) (laughs) thankfully that one's easy yeah like there's specifics within that but telepathy as as like a a, the discipline as a concept is exactly what you think it is yeah so crystal dragons are the friendliest of the gem dragons while they do not tend to seek out conversation unless the other party seems boring or actively threatening they will happily converse with people (laughs) who visit them nice um they also tend to prefer resolving conflicts with charm rather than combat but we'll fight back if threatened or provoked. So they like uh, they like a charm person, you know, yeah, kind of kind of thing. And they don't like boring people. No, that's a that's a theme. I I, I really actually enjoyed that little tidbit. Yeah, they're uh, a their their flavor. Their reaction to boring people is not as uh, extreme as some other gem dragons, though. Oh, <laughs> um, crystal dragons are mischievous and fun loving, enjoying activities such as stargazing and playing in the snow. Oh my, oh my god. god. Right? That's so cute. They are also known to make off with white dragon eggs in an attempt to raise the hatchlings in a friendlier environment and are described as good parents, if a little irresponsible. Oh my god. I'm not like other moms. I'm a cool mom. They <laughs> steal eggs to raise them better. Yes. I like it. And they're fun parents. And they're fun parents. They're so... Just a little irresponsible. Stargazing and playing in the snow. Right? Uh, This egg napping, as well as generally sharing the same environment as white dragons, causes frequent conflicts between the two types of dragons. There's Uh, also the fact that white dragons are evil. Yeah, I'm not terribly surprised at that. Yeah, that's a theme. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah, crystal dragons are... I love them. I know. I kind of do, too. 
So next we're going to move on to topaz dragons. I like it. Yes. So topaz dragons are born a dull yellow color, but as they age, their scales become translucent and their color brightens, eventually making them look like they were carved from their namesake stone. Okay. So also, you'll like this. Per third edition material, the pupils of their eyes fade as they age. So eventually their eyes come to resemble solid balls of fire. Yeah. Which is so cool. Um, as of third edition, all topaz dragons are always chaotic neutral. I don't think any of their alignments change except from neutral to then whichever chaotic or whatever. Yeah. Like, but after it's established in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons second edition, it literally doesn't change, which is like, thank God. Also, well, it didn't change because they didn't make it to fourth edition. I was going to make that joke. (laughs) They did not make it to fourth edition to have some bullshit. Mm. Which is ironic because fourth edition had so many. Dragons. dragons, yeah. But it's ironic that the gem dragons weren't there. But that's because psionics are such a big part of their whole thing. That without psionics, it's really... It's just like, it's just a pretty... A it's pretty just a dragon. pretty faceted looking dragon. So, topaz dragons live on sea coasts and also in the plane of water as of 3rd edition. But interestingly, they don't much care for water and like to keep their layers dry. Even on the elemental plane... And even when the entrance to their lair is submerged. How do they do that? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Their breath weapon is a cone of dehydration that dries out of space relative to the damage dealt, which is obviously relative to age category, yada yada. However, up until third edition, it also did strength damage equal to 1d6 plus 6 on a failed save or 1d6 on a successful save. Holy shit. Jesus. Yeah. And it I believe in it was in um Advanced Dungeons Dragon Second Edition in the Monstrous Manual. Like obviously it's been established in like later things that if your strength falls below zero you die. Right. But it was like it was intense in second edition. It was like you could only heal it like once per like one point per day naturally. Like literally if you got hit with this thing, you were fucked. Yeah. Sounds like, like it. That isn't that like that is insane. Yeah. I'm not the only person who thinks that's insane, no, right? No, okay. no. Like, like it, if 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 Nixa like my gnome from Pathfinder had a strength score of seven. If she got hit with this and failed her save, she would die immediately. Mm-hmm. Like Yeah. See, Pathfinder was <laughs> very big into like a lot of things did X damage plus strength or intelligence or yeah, blah blah blah. They were they were a lot bigger on And for the most part I chose to ignore those just because I'm not a big fan of the idea of that. Mm-hmm. It feels too And that is insane. Is a very good reason. Yeah, like that's actively insane. Um so as of third edition it only has the drying effect like it dries up liquids and simply does damage to targets hit points instead of their strength good good (laughs) like imagine a dragon breathing on you and you just fucking die it's not even fire it's just like this gust of hot air comes out and you're like oh whatever and then you just your your friend just fucking dies (laughs) you just shrivel up and die yeah you'll say you'd like shrivel up like a raisin or something yeah i was I, i was literally picturing like when you put um meat in a dehydrator it just <laughs> shrivels and shrinks and becomes all dead that's dead. that's what we would be Cracked. to that's what we would be to dragons just meat to throw in a dehydrator It'd be like cassandra when she dehydrates <laughs> <Surprise> me. <laughs> 
your party members just like face down on the floor, like reaching out to the cleric. Moisturize me. Oh my god. And then the topaz dragon just wastes <clears throat> all of you. Yay. For that reference. So. Per the monstrous manual, <laughs> um, topaz dragons prefer psychometabolism as their primary discipline. So uh, psychometabolism is defined as psionic abilities that affect the body, such as producing decay or changing shape. Okay. Pretty pretty simple. Is it? Well. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it sounds it's pretty straightforward. Straight yeah. Okay. That's a good word for it. <clears throat> um, and their other common powers include... Uh, things from the psychokinesis discipline, Ooh. which psychokinesis deals with the moving of objects with yeah. your mind. And this goes on a molecular to a very large scale. So we're going to start with their psychokinesis since that's not their primary thing. So they, uh, some of their common powers from the psychokinesis discipline are the science, telekinesis, and the devotions, animate object, control wind, Molecular manipulation and soften. So, telekinesis is what you think it is. But it is also... the the It's not as simple as I think it's made to look in some other media. Right. Like, it, it, it does actually function kind of proportionally to how heavy or big the object is you're trying to move and this and that. Right. It isn't just simple. So... Animate object is essentially a weaker version of telekinesis, so it's limited by weight, that kind of thing. Right. Um, it's very much just the minor power version of telekinesis. Molecular manipulation involves the agitation of molecules to create a breaking point in a small area of an object, so you can destroy a rope, like you can snap a rope. Okay. Uh, that kind of thing. And soften is kind of similar to molecular manipulation, but it gradually softens the area in an entire object through a similar process. And there's different examples of time given for stone, wood, uh, metal, that kind of thing. That's so uh, interesting. Soft stone. Yes. Soft, mm. soft rocks. Soft rocks. I mean, that's literally what it makes, though. Yeah. Which is crazy. To their primary discipline, which is psychometabolism, um, their common powers in that sphere are energy containment, Life drain, metamorphosis, and the which are the sciences, right? And the devo and there's a lot more than just the ones I'm listing, <laughs> and also the devotions of biofeedback, body equilibrium, cause decay, and chemical simulation. Jesus, damn. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, information there. Yeah. So, um, energy containment is the ability to absorb and assimilate energy from non-living sources. Think fire. Um, you know, lightning, that kind right, of thing. Right, right. Metamorphosis is an advanced polymorph where the user can transform into anything that has a similar mass as itself, which is dragon, is big. Is big, <laughs> A lot yeah. of mass, usually. Biofeedback enables the user to control the flow of blood in their body, uh, and body equilibrium allows the user to change their weight relative to the surface they are standing on, enabling one to walk on water or a spider web. For example, hmm. yeah, um, cause decay causes an inanimate object to instantly decay. Self-explanatory. Right. Yeah. So, well, self-explanatory, but it did feel like pointing out that it only applies to inanimate objects. And uh, chemical simulation allows the user to produce a weak acid. So this acid does very little damage, but it will like dissolve things. Right. So it's not like an acid attack, really. But it is <coughs> definitely like... 
Yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, so it, it'll it, definitely corrode things. Yeah, it it would be something that would be more applicable in non-combat situations. Right. Um. So all very to do with the body. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you can do some crazy stuff. Yeah, I'll say. So um, as of third edition, their primary psionic discipline remains that of psychometabolism. Right. Um, <laughs> Topaz dragons are generally unfriendly, selfish, and behave erratically. Um, while they are not particularly malevolent, they do not like intruders and will attack anyone who is actually hostile. Right. Actively hostile, excuse me. As well as those who bore them in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> So Man. it's literally like, you're boring. I'm going to kill you now. Time to eat you. Yeah, right? Time to make some beef jerky. <laughs> God. Dehydration. Human jerky. Um, and they, they're often fond of trying to trick enemies with a false surrender or retreat. So they're just they're, they're, they're just bastards. I, I kind of love them. I know. I kind of like them, too. But they are like bastards. bastards. They're bastards who can polymorph into things. And if they breathe on you, you'll shrivel up and die, which is insane. Hooray. Yay. <laughs> right? So um, due to sharing territory, they often clash with bronze dragons. And while they don't enjoy the water and they typically only bother with it to hunt their usual prey, which includes sharks and giant squids. Yeah. Which is super metal. Um, they like to sun themselves on rocky outcroppings and feel the sea breeze. No. <laughs> Which is like, I know, that's such a cute thing for these kind of, of, of bastardy. Yeah. Kind of, kind of dragons. But they just want to feel the sea breeze. Which is like a Nice, mood. relax. And then, yeah, then they don't want to be bothered with boring conversation. I feel that. <laughs> boring conversation anyway. <laughs> and then just like breathes on, on, uh... So next we're going to talk about emerald dragons. Yeah. Um, emerald dragons are noted as being particularly beautiful among these. Um, emerald dragons have scales in many shades of green that seem to be in constant motion. In their, nice. In their, <laughs> in their first iteration in Dragon Magazine, they were described as knowing how to undulate their bodies. Undulate was the particular word used. Okay. In such a way to distract and entrance a target. Which I believe it was like if uh, someone was engaged in conversation for like three rounds, they would be so entranced <laughs> by this dragon's body that the dragon could surprise attack them if they chose. Uh, hmm. Okay. I mean, right? I, I mean, kind of love it. Right? This was yeah. cast off in later editions. They Aww. were like, no. No, we don't want to use the word undulate, so Just we're like, not... No, wait a minute. Hang no, on. No, hold on. This is kind of... Horny. <laughs> so, as of a uh, third edition, I don't know why it is this way for some of them, but not others. Um, as of third edition, uh, emerald dragons' pupils fade as they age, like topaz dragons, which okay. leaves their eyes looking like glowing green orbs Ooh, with no pupils, which is pretty. so cool. Sounds so pretty. Right? They're, ve they're very pretty. They have a lot of nice art for these guys. Um, so as of Monstrous Manual, all emerald dragons are always lawful neutral. So now we're going over to the lawful side. Okay. Their breath weapon, it is a whale of sonic energy that in earlier edition knocks all within range, unconscious or stunned on a failed save and temporarily deafened on a successful one. Jesus. What the their fuck? Their breath weapons were broken in. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Um, but third edition softens it so this successful save negates any deafening. Okay. And I believe you cannot be knocked unconscious by it. Well, I mean, you could be knocked unconscious by the damage, but not by the secondary effect. Right. So, yeah, their breath weapons were fucking broken Jesus, earlier on. so bad. <laughs> I know it. So, per the Monster's Manual, their primary discipline is telepathy, but they also have common powers of the clairsentient sciences, oresight, object reading, precognition, and the clairsentient devotions of all-around vision, combat mind, and danger sense. Okay. So, oresight allows the user to see a target's aura, which in this case, determ- you, they can determine either their alignment or their level. Okay. So, you know. <laughs> but maybe maybe in kayfabe, you, they, they could sense their mood or whatever. I don't know much about auras. Um, object reading allows the user to examine an object for psychic imprints left by the previous owner, which I think is cool. Yeah. Psychic imprints? Mm-hmm. Ooh. So you can learn things about the person who had it before. Um, so, and the devotions, all-around vision... Allows the user to see in all directions. Uh, combat mind sharpens the user's senses in combat, which improve at various levels. Improves things like initiative, thaco, etc. Right. Um, yeah, don't forget that all of this <laughs> is also being <laughs> being run alongside like thaco. I would have had no idea what I was doing back then. I would have cried. Right. I would have yeah, like same. like hi. Imagine having to do chemistry and math homework to play Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. Imagine. Um, And Danger Sense is essentially Spidey Sense. Um, Spidey Sense. So they can't tell exactly what's going to happen, but they can detect danger and also the direction that it would be coming from, but they don't know exactly what it is. Okay. So it literally is like Spidey Sense. Okay. Well, I say that. Makes sense. I mean... You know, it's essentially... It's Wait, essentially spidey sense. My danger sense is tingling. There's danger somewhere, we're just not quite sure where. Yes. So, now that we move into their primary discipline, which is telepathy, they have common powers in the telepathy sciences of ejection, mind link, probe, and the... <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. I was trying I, to be serious. I, I like... I, I, it's nothing. I just don't like the... the yeah. The word probe? Right? Um, and the telepathy devotions of contact, ESP, life detection, sight link, and sound link. Okay. So, ejection is the ability to force another psionic out of the user's mind. Pretty simple. Okay. Um, mind link opens a two-way psychic communication between the user and another, wherein language is not a barrier, but this is not the same thing as mind reading. It's essentially like the message. Yeah, it's message spell, where it's like, it, it's something that is sent between the two. Okay, like, it's not like, it's not, you can't use that connection to get In, si- anything that they don't to want To probe their e- mind. Exactly, yeah, that's what probe is for. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like a, a thing where they can respond, but that's that's all it is. It's you can reply to this message. You, you may reply to this message. Um, and probe allows the user access to the target's thoughts and memories as the target knows them to be true. Kind of like how, like, zone of truth. You can't lie, but it can be influenced by what the what target you know. thinks yeah. and believes and knows. Exactly. So probe is where we get in there. Um, Deep inside your mind. Yes. So as for the devotions, contact is essentially the first step to linking telepathically on a different level per probe, for example. Um, okay. So therefore, it's often referred to as a prerequisite for other telepathic abilities. So it's like in order to do this, you have to have used contact already. 
Um, ESP allows the user to explore the surface level thoughts of the target, so not as deep as probe. Right. Um, sight link and sound link allow the user to tap into the visual and auditory senses of the target, respectively. Right. So this is pretty simple. Um, and also life detection is exactly what it sounds like. It just detects mind activity in a specific area. Okay. Um, as of third edition, Emerald's Drag- Emerald Dragon's primary discipline was changed to that of clairsentience. So they essentially flip-flop with crystal dragons. Okay. Emerald dragons are very curious, particularly about history and culture, civilized societies, but also very paranoid and suspicious, which is a big mood. Because of this, they like to settle close enough to populated areas that they can observe what's going on, but not close enough that they're going to be noticed or get involved in it. Right. Um, They also tend to like to settle in dormant or rarely active volcanoes. Ooh. Yeah. Dormant or really active? Rarely active. Oh, rarely active. I thought you said really active. I was like, they're just covering that whole spectrum, aren't they? Yeah, it's like, they, they, not like in the middle. Like, <laughs> they, <laughs> they have to be they only one have... extreme or the other. Yeah. yeah. No, rarely active. Um, hand in hand with their paranoia is their very strong desire to protect their treasure and their offspring, who they have very strong bonds with. So it's not, it's on, it's not uncommon to see like an, an emerald dragon. That with, has like with their with their children. Okay, um, which is nice. Yeah, they uh, they stay at home longer than other gem dragons. Um, the layer and surrounding area of an emerald dragon is usually covered in traps, both magical and physical, because of aforementioned paranoia. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I I relate to that a lot. Being a, a curious person who likes to learn and likes to observe, but is also very paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> So Luan's an emerald dragon. And possessive of their... um, Turns out. Possessions. Uh, So, um, next, we're kind of starting to move into the big boys. The big boys. The big boys um, and girls and friends. And we're going to talk about sapphire dragons. Sapphire. Ooh. After we take a break. I had a feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was rotating around the mic. It It was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out our Gem Dragons episode. I hope I haven't fried your brain yet talking about psionics. You're doing a pretty good job. Thank you. There's a lot of words that sound the same. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, we still have our affiliate partnership with Metallic Dice Games. Uh, that is MetallicDiceGames.com. They have dice. They have dice towers. They have... Other kinds of dice. They have metal dice. They have gemstone dice. Um, they have dice bags. They do. They have dice trays. They have all kinds of dice and dice-related accessories. They and have so much. They do. Anything um, you can possibly need for your D&D experience. Except for, like, you know, books. And yeah, well, they don't yeah. have the source books. <laughs> okay, listen. I'm, 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 I'm sure that's, you know, legal reasons. Yeah, yeah. That, that could be a whole... Th- they're, they're, wor- they're working on it. Um... <laughs> But if you want to purchase any dice or dice-related accessories, you can use our code DUNGEONPEDIA for 10% off of your entire order at MetallicDiceGames.com. We have tried the, uh, like, we we stand by their product. It's yeah. very good. Yeah, we, I have I have ordered from them with my own money. No discount code. No discount code. And I was very satisfied with the entire process, and I love my dice. They're fucking beautiful. They are. It's really great. So please check it out. Use Dungeonpedia as the discount code and uh, yep, get ten percent off. Get some uh, get some monies off. Which, as you all know, can really add up. Um, 
We, of course, still have our Patreon if you would like to support us directly, and that is at Dungeonpedia. Yep, we have actually received a few more patrons on Patreon yes. lately, so thank you. Thank you, guys. And some very kind messages. Thank yes. you, guys. Thank you so very much. So, initially, things were calming down, but um, <laughs> as a lot of us predicted, things are starting to ramp back up a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean it's kind of happening very quickly now. Yeah. But we do still have several pre-recorded episodes for Projectile Cast that we are trying to get edited and try to get those back out and up and running. As far as us actually recording, we still have to hold off on that because, I mean, yeah. shit's yeah. crazy, man. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do what we can to get everything ready to go as quickly as possible. And we just don't, aren't quite sure how many episodes we have, but we're going to start releasing those here soon. Yes. Yeah. Um, you can get any future updates on our Twitter for that, which is at ProjectileCast. And hopefully it won't be too bad. Well... You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll keep you informed as we know anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, bearing in mind what we were talking about with with shit, like, I know we talked about this before initially, but, like, please just stay safe. Please do. Like, please. The, that's the number one thing we want for all of our listeners is it's you just, guys to be safe and happy. Yeah. So just, like, take care of yourselves. Um, on the note of Twitter, we still have our Twitter and Instagram for Dungeonpedia. They haven't banned us yet. <laughs> they haven't banned us yet. Yet. Hopefully they don't. Yeah, if we start talking too much about dragons undulating, they might. Ooh. 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 Um, but even if they do, you can still reach us at our email at dungeonpedia.podcast.gmail.com. Which, again, thank you guys so much for the wonderful, wonderful messages of support and... Yes, and birthday wishes. And we appreciate it. Yes. We appreciate all of it. And suggestions. And oh, yes. And, and all, Always thank you for the suggestions. All manner of things. We appreciate you As guys. Lewin teased at the beginning of this episode, she really just enjoys having the suggestions because she gets excited to do... Yeah. And And so, so do we all, but like... Well, and also I want to I want to mention if you couldn't tell that whole I was being very sarcastic. I don't have that much of a blown up self image. I promise. No, but I I do appreciate suggestions because it's you know it's, sometimes I there's so much in in D and D I get overwhelmed by choice. Yeah. So sometimes to have someone like point something out to me is very helpful for me. Yeah. Personally, it, it, us too. Uh, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to us to get notifications of our new episodes. If that platform you listen on happens to allow it, you can rate us and leave a review. That would be really helpful as well. And, uh, you know, tell your friends. Spread the word. Your friends who like dragons and gemstones. And undulating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was about to say, I feel like if they're a person who likes the former, they also probably like the latter. But I don't know where undulating fits into that, so... I don't know. Uh, you know, it's Don't, don't it's worry there. about it. But if you have friends that enjoy any of those, really, or just D&D <laughs> &D and they haven't listened to us, point us out to them. Be like, hey, you like all this stuff. Go listen to this. Because then they can give us more suggestions and we can start it's a, getting yeah. like more in-depth on the, things that they want to hear. Yeah, yes. and the dragon continues to eat its tail. Big thank you to Alexander Nakarada for our theme song, Blacksmith. We love you, Alexander. We do. And with that, let's go ahead and get back to gemstones because I believe we're waiting on sapphire information and that has to be 
Yes. Interesting, right? Yeah. Yes. No, it. it and yes. let's face it, I'm just impatient. Let's go. All right. Yes. Give me the sapphires. Yes. The sapphires. Um, sapphire dragons do not change color as they age, which is a common theme for other types of gem dragons, but they come in all shades of blue. So you can have some that are like a very light blue, some that are very dark blue. Um, it's all, yeah, it's, it's pretty. Yeah. And it's, it's very, um, like they're very individual in that kind of way. Yeah. So as a third edition, their pupils also fade as they age, leaving their eyes looking like solid blue orbs. It's not as exciting as fire orbs, but... It's still pretty cool. Yeah. Still, though, yeah. Like, it's a big dragon. Big dragon. Big blue dragon with blue eyes that kind of blend in with everything else because they don't have pupils, which is that, uh, yes. <laughs> um, they can be mistaken for blue dragons, despite the fact that blue dragons live in arid climates and sapphire dragons settle deep underground. <laughs> so they look similar, but they live in different environments. So you're like, you get there, you're like, what the hell is a blue dragon doing here? But it's not a blue dragon. And then it does some weird... Uh, psionic shit, and you're like, oh, fuck. Not a blue dragon. Not a blue dragon. Not a blue dragon. I fucked up. Right. Um. So, from the Monstrous Manual onward, all sapphire dragons are lawful neutral. Okay. Um. In Dragon Magazine, their breath weapon was a screech that disintegrated targets with less HP than the dragon, <laughs> leaving others alive with all of the equipment disintegrated. Now, I will say... The way it worked was like the sleep spell does in 5th edition. So it's like it it would use up H, like its HP on multiple targets. Okay. So it's like, you know, with the sleep spell, you roll an amount and then, you know, like you roll 20, let's say, and you have two targets with 10 hit points each. They'll both fall asleep. But if there's like other people... They they're not they're touch. not gonna fall asleep. Yeah, right, precisely. But so that's still <laughs> excessive. How much health do they have though? That's that de- the it depends. Question. That depends on how old they are. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, but like I said, with the way I'm ordering these, as we progress through Dragon Magazine, or yeah, as we progress through, these are the second most powerful type. Right. Of gem, of gem so dragons. like so, this is. Like they're they're gonna have a lot of HP. Yeah, late um, level battles right here. Mm-hmm. And also uh, leaving others alive with all of their equipment disintegrated. <laughs> Which also like what a dick move. I know, <laughs> like it kills all your friends and then leaves you like naked and afraid in a cave <laughs> because it destroyed your sword. I know you've your clothes and armor. Um, however, in Monstrous Manual and on, it was changed to a whale that inspired a fear effect on a failed uh, save. So they, like... The, nerfed. They nerfed these breath weapons because some of them were insane. They yeah. definitely needed to. Right? I, I will agree to that. Like, sometimes I get sad when something loses something cool, but... Like, that was excessive. Yeah. And the, the dehydration, excessive. Excessive. Um, so, it, what I thought was really interesting about this, actually, was that in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, the fear effect was described as metabolic. Therefore, those immune to magical fear could still be affected. That is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But this note was not present in um, the, the third edition description of this uh, breath weapon. Dang. But, like, I think that's cool. Yeah, no, I think the, it's cool, too. The note that it's uh, it's metabolic. It um, I, I, I like when, I don't know how to describe this without sounding like I'm hating on magic, but I love when things in Dungeons & Dragons are sort of put in the realm of being, like, slightly off-center from magic, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it seems magical, but it's like, 
it's really not yeah like how we were like when we talked about like this the kind of pseudoscience in the um blink dog and and beholder beast whoa no thank you no thank you displacer beast uh episode i kind of enjoy when that's present in dungeons and dragons instead of just the explanation for something being i don't know magic yeah it's just it's something i'm not hating on magic i just think it's it's cool when there's like really crazy things that are not necessarily magical yeah no Um, i understand so as of monsters manual um their primary discipline is psychoportation which uh, is defined as the ability to transfer objects from one place to another without actually moving through space. So, like teleportation, basically. is basically teleportation and assorted things. They also have common powers in clairsentience, uh, with the clairsentience sciences of clairaudience and clairvoyance, which we already discussed, and the clairsentience devotions of no direction and radial navigation. No direction is... is is exactly what it sounds like. You know what direction you're looking. Okay, I was thinking in O direction. <laughs> no direction. See, I was thinking it was just a covered band of one direction. <laughs> <laughs> and they have beautiful singing voices. Um, you know, I wonder. I wonder if, if there are dragons with beautiful singing voices. Probably. Or if they just sound gruff. There probably are. Um, and radial navigation allows the user to know their location in relation to a fixed starting point. Okay. So it you could not you could not use radial navigation to retrace your steps out of a maze, for example, but you would know where you walked in to that maze. You would know like I am five hundred feet away from where I walked in, if that makes sense. No, that, that it's does. like um it's like in, in uh video games, video games, where you have like a marker and you know what direction that marker is. And sometimes it'll tell you how far away you are, but it won't tell you how to walk around the mountain to get there. Yeah. That kind of thing. That's, That's why, why you just you climb just... the mountain. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or if you're a dragon, you just fly over it. Yeah. Or that. Also, also yeah, that. we kind of followed the same train of thought there. Yeah, like I was just thinking, well, it's just Skyrim. You just climb the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you realized I was talking about Skyrim. So I guess it wouldn't be too too chill to be a dragon in Skyrim, but whatever. Um, they also have common powers in psychokinesis in the sciences disintegrate, molecular rearrangement, and telekinesis, and the psychokinesis devotions of animate shadow, control light, molecular manip- manipulation, excuse me, and soften. Um, disintegrate is exactly what it sounds like. Okay, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's disintegrate. Um, and uh, animate shadow is exactly what you think it is. It's just shadow puppets. And uh, control light is exactly what you think it is. Uh, we already talked about molecular manipulation and softness. Uh, molecular rearrangement is described as the psionic equivalent to alchemy. Ooh. Um, nice. They cannot create or destroy mass, uh, you know. Right. Uh, and what's the, what's the full metal? Equivalent to exchange. Yeah, I'll, uh, you know... I don't know the laws from I don't I can't recite it like I can't either I used I'm sure I used to be able to because I'm a fucking nerd but I I do know like the law of equivalent exchange and um yeah all things have a price yeah so that's the vibe it's very much the vibe there's a whole there was a whole big paragraph underneath that so these dragons can do alchemy which is great uh their primary discipline of psychoportation they can have all of these sciences and all of the disciplines as common powers. Okay. Because we're, we're getting into the high level, the, bi- the big boys. The big boys. boys. Yeah. 
And also, psychoportation can be used to travel to another time or plane. Cool. Yeah. Um, and this remains their primary discipline into third edition. So, uh, sapphire dragons are highly territorial and consider many other inhabitants of the underground in which they live to be their enemies, like the drow, the aboleths, etc., deep dragons, etc., um, they don't tend to entertain conversation unless it revolves around military strategy, which they are particularly interested in and consider themselves to be experts on. Because <laughs> they are dragons. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're full of themselves. And they also enjoy being challenged to games of strategy. And it's stated that in such games, it's dangerous to let the dragon lose. Because again, they're dragons. At the end they're of the day. They're big piss babies. They're big they, piss yeah. babies who are full of themselves. They're just big piss babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they often dwell in the elemental plane of Earth, if not deep underground in the prime. Uh, their layers are large with treasures and trophies of former enemies spread throughout in a decorative manner. They Ooh. keep trophies. Like, wh- how? Do they get them stuffed? Like, they literally gave examples of uh, drow and aboleth trophies. Like, imagine just someone having an aboleth up on their wall like people have fucking swordfish. Maybe they dehydrate them. <laughs> they call their topaz dragon friends to, to dehydrate like, them. Hey, I need you to do this for me. It's yeah. like the taxidermy of the dragon world. Yes. <laughs> or they just go to an actual taxidermist. Yes. They go to an actual taxidermist, like a human taxidermist with um, like an aboleth, and they're like, hey... You know, I, I need you to do something for me or I will actually eat you. I feel like at a certain point you start building this relationship and you're like, you know, you're really the only human I trust, man. Thank you for doing this for me. And then they eat them. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And then and then the humans like, "Hey, do you want to play some pie show?" And then they <laughs> then they eat them because they lost. I don't know why Pie Show was the first game I thought of. Uh, I'm not sure either, but I'm okay with it. Sure. Yeah. Also, another fun tidbit about their layers is that they have a particular love of giant spiders as cuisine. So they sometimes allow giant spiders to live and reproduce in certain areas of their layer to serve as snacks. (laughs) Which is hilarious to me for some reason. No, I mean, it's pretty fucking great, honestly. Like, oh, like, hey, this is my pantry, and it's just a bunch of spiders. (laughs) Fuck. So finally, we're going to talk about the last of the type of gem dragons that we're going to talk about today, which is amethyst dragons. Ooh, that is my birthstone. I just realized I'm wearing an amethyst bracelet. Amethyst dragon. Yes. So, uh, they're very pretty. First, I'm going to read the entire section about Amethyst Dragons from the original Dragon article. Okay. Um, Buckle up. Okay. Quote, Amethyst Dragons love to dwell near isolated highland tarns. Tarns? Twice per day, the Amethyst Dragon can shriek with the same effects as a banshee. Amethyst Dragons are a sparkling lavender in color. End quote. That's the entire section. Oh, I was. Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah. You were you were actually buckling up for it to be long. Yeah, I was, I was preparing excited. for like a five ten minute dialogue here. No, um, I mean there was a chart earlier on that had all their numbers and stuff, but that's their descriptive section, which was like sparse. It was also quite a bit shorter than all the other ones. So, well, it was funny as you went on in the article, they got shorter, <laughs> which I thought was funny. They it, like this guy losing. <laughs> Like this guy losing steam. He's like, fuck, fucking amethysts, uh, lavender. Okay, I'm done. (laughs) 
that's 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 a joke. I don't know what what his thought process was. I just thought it was funny. It, it is funny, regardless. Yeah. So, um, in later iterations, amethyst dragons are described as having a lavender hide with scales that darken and grow more crystalline as they age. Okay. Ooh. In Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2nd Edition, they live near isolated lakes, sometimes underground. And in 3rd Edition, they live in large underground caverns, often in the plain of Earth. And they are always neutral. Just, so Okay. Yeah, just neutral. So we had our, our chaotic neutrals, we have our lawful neutrals, and now we have the true neutral gem dragons. Right, right. So, um, in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2, their breath weapon is described as a violent lozenge, which I didn't realize could also mean a rhombus or diamond shape, which is apparently an alternate definition of it. I thought it was just a uh, throw lozenge. Yeah, no, same. <clears throat> so, um, there's your new word word of the day. Lozenge, but the other one. Lozenge, but not, uh, you know, a cough drop. Um, so, it is described as a violet lozenge that explodes into kind of like these it's like shrapnel kind of Mm -hmm. um and can paralyze or knock enemies unconscious oh boy um so again with the broken breath weapons but they don't really lose it because this was later changed to be an additional power that they have in third edition and their breath weapon is described simply as a line of concussive force that can like knock you prone Okay. So they still kind of have it. It's just not their breath weapon. We all know that concussive force can actually cause major damage. Yeah. Like it, yeah, like in real life. Huh. Huh. Weird. Weird to think. Yeah. So they, since these are like the top tier ones, um, they have way too many common psionic powers to talk about all of them. But their favorite... So let's go with all of them. Yes, all of them. Their favorite discipline is that of psychokinesis, which they maintain in 3rd edition. Um, they draw common powers from the psychokinesis discipline, as well as psychometabolism, telepathy, and metapsionics. Metas- what? <laughs> metapsionic. Okay. Uh-huh. I, I found it very interesting <laughs> to learn about all of these disciplines, which I feel like at this point we have actually talked about all six of them that are in 2nd edition. Um, metapsionics does not exist in 3rd edition. It was replaced with metacreativity, which is essentially the creation of new things with your brain. Metapsion- like, <sighs> metapsionics is insane. All these other disciplines <laughs> are like, the, the vibe is the same. Yeah. You know, brain stuff with, with, and, and you feel the differences in each, like, it doesn't just have a name slapped on it. Right. You know, like telepathy is is things that the, the powers all relate to each other psychometabolism the powers all relate to each other and then metapsionics is just fucking cuckoo bananas okay <laughs> like i was i was reading this and i, I was uh-huh. like i was like thinking about my 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 place in the universe so um common powers in the metapsionic uh discipline for amethyst dragons are the sciences of empower psychic surgery and ultra blast the devotions magnify psionic sense and power and psychic drain excuse me so empower allows the user to impart rudimentary intelligence and psionic power onto an object what yeah Um, mm, mm. you you don't just animate it and make it move around you make it intelligent yes and psionic yeah yeah okay i need i need that performed on me Like my brain is the only the only thing that it would it would give you is psionic powers. Aww, You're already you. intelligent and functional. Mm, well, I don't know about the second one. 
I love you. You're intelli- I know. You're intelligent and functional. You, you don't need psychic powers. I do need psychic powers. Um, psychic surgery allows the user to repair psychic damage in a target or even themselves in some circumstances. Okay, Travis and I went, yeah. on, went on a joint face journey when she said uh, psy- psychic surgery. Yeah, I was really like, my brain was stuck on that. Yeah. Uh, and, okay, it's not near as bad as I was thinking, but... Um, so, and this, I thought this was really interesting, because this is, again, kind of that left of center of magic things that I was talking about. Yeah. Um, earlier, because this, the things that can be repaired with psychic surgery are described as, like, real things, like phobias, comas, um, brain damage, uh, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. It's and not magical effects like charm, gases, things like that. Oh, so still is yeah big and powerful as I initially thought. Then okay, yeah. So you mm. can yeah. So it <laughs> yeah. Well, that's <laughs> so. Amethyst dragons are also brain surgeons. Cool. That can perf that can get rid of trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, something one. that should be permanent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so not only can they get rid of it, um, Ultra Blast damages psyches within range, causing psionics to potentially lose their powers. Oh. And the quote from this is it said that the affected quote may never be the same again. So they can also inflict, inflict trauma. <laughs> they can also Jesus. inflict that kind of damage with this ability. Oh god. And okay. keep in mind, these are only their common powers in this discipline. There's a lot of there's thing, other things you can do within this discipline. Um, which to, to the credit of the people who wrote Metasionics, it is described as being the most advanced and demanding both physically and also in training and focus of the disciplines. So it's like, this is some crazy shit, but this isn't entry level shit. This is like as crazy as it gets pretty much. Yeah. This is the top tier. This is your ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th Karsis avatar level spells. And then there's like, you know, probably... Three beings in the entire universe that know how to do it. Yeah, and they're all yeah. and they're all amethyst dragons and Sardiar. <laughs> um, so uh, magnify, which we get into the devotions now, allows the user to increase all attributes of a particular power, range, duration, etc. Right. Yeah. Um, and psychic drain allows the user to drain psionic power from others within range. <laughs> <sighs> yep. And psionic sense is exactly. It's detect magic before psionics. Okay. You just detect psionic. Yeah, you just detect psionic activity within a specific range. So, oof. Yeah. So um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it gets pretty bad shit. I don't think a tinfoil hat is going to save you on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um they they get they get pretty insane. So they they really seem to. So metapsionics does not exist in that way in third edition. But I had to talk about it because that's crazy. That is insane. Yeah. They have an ability called psychic surgery. Come on, uh, man. I don't know how, if I l- am like sad that it's gone or happy. Yeah. Right. Both. Yeah. Oh god. Which I imagine a lot of players and DMs felt that way as like. D&D progressed while they were playing. Mm-hmm, for sure. <laughs> like, they, like, read that, and they were like, this is too much. And this, there's just too much here. This is, this is too much. 
Now, bear in mind, this was an advanced edge of the Dragon 2nd edition, so this is still pretty pretty early. Um, right. So, uh, Amethyst Dragons are wise and regal, which is good that they're wise, since they can gain the ability to literally destroy somebody's mind. Yeah. Um, they better use that power wisely. Um, they view the squabbles between good and evil and law and chaos as petty, and sometimes act as intermediaries in conflicts between other dragons or humanoids or entire humanoid civilizations. I love them. Right. Jesus. <clears throat> they're very, uh, I don't, I can't think of a good word for it. Um, they don't attempt to surprise or hide from anyone, instead fighting honorably if initial attempted conversation goes badly. Right. Um, they consider fleeing to be dishonorable, but will do so if their life is threatened. So they're very, um, like, they're very straightforward, very principled. Okay. Um, which is good. Because yeah. they can literally destroy your mind. Yeah. So, which, t- to be fair, the, the implications of Ultra Blast did seem to mostly revolve around other psionics. But, like, right. when it says those affected, quote, may never be the same, end quote, like, that's some that's some shit right yeah, there. That is some shit. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you know? There, there's some pretty intense... Uh, Stuff going on? Yeah, mm-hmm. like, going on behind the scenes there. There's some pretty intense yeah. repercussions from that. So, that is all I have <laughs> about the primary, um, the, the quote, true gem dragons. Because, sadly, they have not been included s- since 3rd edition. Um, and I didn't Wizards th- of the Coast. Please! So, uh, because I, I think, and I didn't look too much into this, because even though this accidentally turned into a psionic sidebar... This was not the psionic episode, um, but apparently psionics haven't been included since 3.5, I think. I believe so, yeah. And they are currently running a beta test for psionics for 5th edition. Okay, so I'm hoping that maybe once they get that sorted out, we would have gem dragons again. Because, like, it's... It's nice to have the neutral dragons. Yeah, and it's, it's also such a big part of kind of their whole thing that if you just like like an amethyst dragon would just be a deep dragon yeah that yeah. you know is nicer <laughs> like but i i feel like if they're going to reintroduce the gem dragons again they're first going to sort out they really need to do yeah. that and like psionics is complicated like i i was just summarizing some of what these abilities do because i think they're interesting and i wanted to talk about the different disciplines yeah um just to give like an overview but there's like there's a lot of equations there's a lot of and also bear, bear in mind that these things i'm talking about tend to have more... And there's also a lot of differences between how it is presented in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, how fast can I say that, and, like, 3rd Edition. Because in 3rd Edition, to me, it feels a lot more like magic, but slightly different. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in 2nd Edition, it does feel like its own very, very different discipline. Um, but But there's a lot more about it that is different to magic in that it is very physically strenuous. Right. Um, and there's also limitations on, like, your character's alignment that come into play, um, that sort of thing. So it, it's it's different, too. But I just wanted to kind of talk about the different disciplines and some of the abilities to give everyone a, a vibe. A baseline. Yeah, a vibe that is more than just, like, it's psychic powers. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, it, it was definitely necessary to... yeah. To talk about, if we were going to talk about gem dragons. And also, these are not even 
the most powerful examples of gem dragons because I did not even get much into their god, Sardi or the Ruby Dragon. Right. Um, and his five I forget what they're Cohorts. called. <laughs> they're they're basically like Bahamut's exarchs. Um, you know, the five companions for Talisid. There were five more, right? Talisid and the five companions? I want to say five, but honestly, any number you had thrown at me probably would have, I would have agreed with. 69. Talisa yes. did have some 69 companions. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but but they're like Bahamut's exarchs. Right, okay. So, um, you know, I feel like if I include them, I could make an episode about Sardior and his friends. Yeah, I really um, think that you should. So, there's more gem dragons. <laughs> and there's more psionics. <laughs> And there also needs to be a psionic episode. One of these days, one of us has to bite the bullet. One of these days, it'll happen. (laughs) No, what it would have to be is we would have to, like, video record because we would have to have, like, a whiteboard where we, like, write all the papers. (laughs) Our our Um, first video episode. Oh, Jesus. Oh, we don't promise that we're ever going to do that, by the way. But if we did do a video episode, like, that's how we would have to really do psionics. Or we would have to be, like... Go to like follow this link while you listen to the episode so you can see all the equations. Uh. Um, and just to correct myself, so the current thing that is in playtest is the psionic soul, which is a part of the sorcerer class. Right. So I, they're adding psionics to the sorcerer as a variation. Variation. Uh, or, um, um, it's sorcerer's bloodline. Yes. I have feelings about that um so the psionic isn't currently its own class it is just a bloodline of the oh okay 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 so it looks like uh wizards of the coast is playing with introduce reintroducing psionics yes that is actually exactly what they're doing is they're introducing this play test to get feedback and information and to try to design psionics to the game rules of 5th edition. I will say, I do feel like that is several steps away from psionic dragons, but... But maybe it's, it's good future. that It's good that they're at least interested in reintroducing it, because I personally found it really interesting. And, yeah. like, you know, may, may, maybe given time I could parse all of it, but <laughs> I just kind of, like, I wanted to talk about gem dragons... And I didn't realize that I was going to get so into psionics, <laughs> and so this was this was pretty cool for me, like yeah. to research. So yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed researching it. I I really did. It was definitely interesting, and it was really good to hear more information about psionics because I mean we haven't yeah. talked about it, and the little bit that I researched fried my brain. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing me say the prefixes Claire and Psycho over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what that was. Um, And honestly, I'm curious to any of our listeners who have played um, editions with psionics and have specifically played psionics. How do you guys feel about it? Are you do you want it back in like fifth edition? What's your what's your take, especially DMs? What's your secret on how to parse it? (laughs) Also that. (laughs) But but uh, yeah, if if you have feelings about that, feelings and opinions and thoughts we would love to hear them yeah you can tweet us or email us yeah and just tell us how you feel yeah uh that email by the way is dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com yeah uh thank you everyone for listening to the gym dragons yeah and psionic sidebar (laughs) yeah (laughs) um don't forget to you know do all the lovely following us on all of our social medias 
spread the word to your friends, you know, all of that lovely stuff. Also, don't forget Metallic Dice Games. Yeah. Use code Dungeonpedia for 10% off. Yeah, it, we it. Uh, still have that discount code. It's still running, so if you need some more dice or... You always do. Yeah, you, you do. always need more dice. But if you need anything else, check their website and uh, use our discount code. We would greatly appreciate that as well. Thank you guys once again for listening. And we're going to catch you next week with another episode here on Dungeonpedia. Jade dragons. Jacinth dragons. Moonstone dragons. There's so many. Oh my god, are there really all that? Are, are those like real ones? Yeah, those are actual ones. Oh. That oh I didn't. Boy. Like, I thought I had time to get to Sardior and all of them, and then psionics happened. <laughs>